On tonight's episode of Three Bros Sports, brought to you by Anchor FM, we go over the biggest matchup in the NBA so far. We also talk about the downfall of the Western Conference and the surprising Eastern Conference. Don't forget, we also got to be talking about our football as we're going over the Bay Area's biggest loss in who knows how long. Also, it's not Thursday night picks. It's now Saturday. But first. Shut up and sit down. Hey, welcome back to another Three Bro Sports episode. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Chris Kringle. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one. What, what made you come up with this one today? I mean, I'm just in the holiday spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a podcast of three college students who can go on about sports forever. At the beginning, I talked about how we have one of the biggest matchups throughout the NBA season so far. And we got to get right into it right now, as it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Lakers have finally turned everything around with LeBron James. I, I, I know. We're going straight into this. We're, we're hot. I'm, I'm not even trying to set it up. I'm going right into this. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers have been on fire so far. In Milwaukee, they had an 18-game winning streak but lost to the Mavericks when Seth Curry and Kristaps Porzingis combined for 52 points. Now, it is a tough loss for uh, Milwaukee, but they have the chance to bounce back. Now, what are you guys thinking so far about this matchup? I mean, it's definitely exciting, but... I feel like the Lakers just have the little bit extra that Milwaukee doesn't. I mean, Milwaukee's great and all with Giannis, Eric Bledsoe, and everyone, but I feel like the Lakers with LeBron, Anthony Davis, it's just so much to go against, especially the loss against the Mavericks. I mean, one loss doesn't necessarily define a team, but Chris Stapps was the main big guy you had to worry about and still really couldn't do that. Now you've got Anthony Davis with LeBron James. It's one of those things where I just feel like the Lakers will – pretty much overpower the Bucks, in a sense. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. You know, you got LeBron James, uh, Anthony Davis, like you mentioned. Uh, you got players coming off the bench like Dwight Howard and Ray- Rajon Rondo. And uh, I just think that the way that the Lakers are playing right now, I think it'll definitely be an exciting game to watch, but I would also give the Lakers the edge in that. You know, who knows what direction the Bucks are going to go in. I don't really think that this one loss is going to impact them too much, but I definitely think this will be a game to watch. Yeah, now this is a, a tough matchup really to cover just because both teams don't have many weaknesses so far that you can be able to pinpoint out. And I mean, watching LeBron go up against Giannis, that's going to be entertaining in itself, but it's now going to be the battle of the complementary pieces around them. So Anthony Davis has the advantage over uh, Brooke Lopez. JaVale McGee has the advantage on probably Robin Lopez if they're going to use the Lopez brothers as the four and five. Mm -hmm. And now Middleton, he's ahead of, going to be ahead of Danny Green if that's who they go with or uh, KCP or whoever the Lakers want to run. And now Eric Bledsoe has the advantage over uh, Caruso or Rondo. I know LeBron plays point guard, but he's going to be matched up against Giannis. So I'm just going to uh, put the point guard matchups to decide. So it's kind of tough of where you're going to go with it. Milwaukee definitely has a chance to pull away because they have uh, a more deeper bench. I think once LeBron and uh, AD, if they get into foul trouble because of Giannis, it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for the Bucks to be able to score. Like like I said last podcast, they've, they haven't scored less than 100 points yet. So it's going to be a high-scoring affair. It's just now going to be who has the better defensive matchups. And the Bucks have shown it so far, but you can't count out LeBron James. No, you never really can. 
Yeah, and I mean, just it's not even a question who's a better outside shooter, LeBron James or Giannis. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, Giannis um, is still shooting 32%, and for Giannis, that's good enough. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, it's definitely an improvement from what it's been in the past. But If he gets to 35%, I don't think there's a single way you could ever stop him because that was the only reason why they ended up losing the playoffs to uh, Toronto was because they just kept forcing Giannis to take outside shots. You mm-hmm. just couldn't hit it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now talking about the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference has been really surprising. We went over this a little bit in uh, the last podcast, but I want to get more into this as there are still six teams that haven't gotten 10 losses yet in the Eastern Conference, and that's Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, Toronto, and Indiana. A lot of these teams, you could have uh, expected them to be there, but there's two teams that I'm very surprised that they are doing so well. Well, not very surprised, but being this dominant, that's Miami and Indiana. Now, I want to start off with Indiana because they don't got they don't have Victor Oladipo right now. They also lost Corey Joseph. Tyreek Evans got his suspension, and uh, Darren Collison decided to retire to become a Jeho- uh, Jehovah Witness. So when you see the losses that they had, and they only ended up with uh, T.J. Warren and Malcolm Brogdon, who are very nice, this team hasn't skipped a beat, and they don't even have a star player on their roster. How are they doing this so far? I honestly couldn't tell you. I think a little bit has to do with coaching, but that and really just um, their chemistry that they already had to begin with. Honestly, the thing that really makes me wonder about Indiana being that they have an 18-9 and nine record right now, and they don't have Victor Oladipo. And Oladipo is a monster, honestly one of the most underrated players in the game. So it kind of makes me wonder, how is this team going to be when he comes back? Yeah, well, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, he's been the biggest surprise of them all. He's averaging 19 points, uh, almost eight assists, shooting 35 from three. Like, he's been, like, the go-to guy. And it was a surprising trade to see him be moved from a Milwaukee as he was a really nice piece for that team. It, I thought he was really important for Giannis to be successful, but he, he's really taken control as the number one guy. But now the potential of him and Oladipo, that's going to be a fun backcourt. Yeah, Indiana has always been one of those teams that's, you know, stuck around no matter what adversity they were facing. I mean, even last year when Victor Oladipo went down, they still stuck around, and I think a lot of that has to do with coaching, and a lot of that has to do with the players they bring in and, and the mindset of the kind of guy they want playing on their team. They all play well together, and that they're always going to be in the picture, and I think this just shows their ability to play together, and the, and the coaching is just outstanding. Yeah, and also I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that they lost Bojan Bojan, uh, Bogdanovich as well. They lost him to Utah, and he was really important for that Indiana team when it, when they made it into the playoffs. But now, moving on to the Miami Heat, they've been a bigger surprise to me. I, I thought that they'd be like that 47-win team you get into the playoffs, but and Jimmy Butler has been really good for the team. But it's Bam Adebayo who has been just feasting out there on the court so far. I mean, 15, uh, 15 points, 11 boards, almost five assists per game, shooting 57% field goal. He's been acting like a top 20 player in the NBA so far. And one of my really close friends, he's a diehard Heat fan, and he asked me, do you think Bam is an all-star? And I, I said, I, I don't really know. I, I've been a little too casual watching Heat games, but I started diving into the numbers and watching some highlights. This dude is, is really damn good. Now, wh- what's the ceiling and what's the floor for this Miami Heat team? If they can keep playing at the level they have been, ceiling is a championship, but how realistic that is, I'm not sure. But I could easily see this Heat team making a run at the playoffs, probably maybe even getting into the Eastern Conference Finals. But And obviously the bottom is just the very bottom of the league because, you know, what if someone gets hurt? What if Bam gets hurt? What if Jimmy gets hurt? But all in all, I mean, 
this team has looked really good, and I think they can keep playing consistent. Yeah, we, we talked about Kendrick Nunn. He's been a really valuable piece. And the one thing about Miami is they've pulled out all these no-name players, undrafted or late second-rounder, and they mold them into really solid players. Uh, Tyler Johnson, for example, Josh Richardson, who's now for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get into the Sixers in just one second. But if there's one thing Miami is known to do, it's they can find almost anybody, be able to mold them into exactly what they need. I mean, James Johnson, uh, the dude was – running around the league and he couldn't find a, a single team who really wanted him. He goes to Miami. Next thing you know, he was the reason how they made it into the playoffs, Dwayne Wade on his final leg, and ended up beating Charlotte the first round. Like He, he was really valuable to that team. Uh, then they lost a couple years later to Philadelphia, but he was still one of uh, – he was like the heartbeat of that team. Yeah. and it, I, th- I definitely think it would be tough for the Heat. Um, like we mentioned, all those other teams that haven't had 10 losses yet. Um, but I do think they'll, they'll be one of those teams to, I think it'll be probably Bucks and Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals if I had to take a guess. Uh, but I definitely think those other teams will make it tough. But like you said, they have a knack of making players uh, live up to their potential and even more and um, finding guys that you know other teams haven't really given a chance. So they're f- definitely fun to watch, and it'll be interesting to see you know, where they go from here. Yeah, and now uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, that's the team I really want to talk about. They're 20-8 and eight right now, and the record shows that they've been doing a really good job. They're still undefeated at home. They're 14-0, and 0. but I feel like there's just a lot of problems with this team of they need more outside shooting. I thought Josh Richardson would have really provided that. Al Horford could stretch the floor out, and Bede would take the next step on the outside shot, and even – Ben Simmons, I, I didn't expect him to shoot like 35%. Maybe just make a couple here and there, stretch the floor out. But it kind of feels as if they've been struggling, but they haven't at the same time because they're still getting out the wins. But I don't know how much I want to believe in this team. Yeah, it's uh, they haven't been doing it in the uh, most like best-looking fashion, getting those wins. And um, that's probably why we haven't been talking about them too much. Um but like you said, I do think that outside shooting is definitely something that, you know, can't be taken for granted, especially in today's league. Like you said, those guys who, who they brought in haven't, you know, produced like we thought. And I, I thought Al Horford was going to be, you know, make a, a bigger impact than he has. But um, what do you think, Calvin? I think the Sixers at this point, they're, um, they still have a lot of talent on the roster. And, yeah, they have been getting the wins. But the way they're playing, it can work right now. But later on, late in the season – in the playoffs, they need to improve if they're going to be an actual contender. I think they have gotten a little bit lucky so far this year, but I mean, definitely the outside shooting has to be improved. I mean, I think it can still be done. It's just a matter of if they're actually going to be able to do it. Yeah, now it's when it comes playoff time, what can this team really do? Because I, I haven't felt as if they have that one guy who could be able to get you that last second bucket if needed, because that was going to be Jimmy Butler's job, but he, he's He's out the picture. Tobias Harris hasn't been uh, a world beater. He's not worth the $36 million. (laughs) That that was was a ridiculous contract, but Philadelphia had to do it to just retain him back. I mean, he's still important to the team, but it's not that important. But the one stat I do like uh, throughout the NBA, and sometimes it it may mislead you for how a team plays, but it's the amount of assists uh, per game you get. And normally my my whole philosophy is if a team can get over 25 – assists per game that means the offense is working really well and things should be flowing and I mean Philadelphia is fourth in the NBA in assists they're at 26 and a half and that's a good stat for them and it it should be making me feel as if Philadelphia is a good team that could be able to go all the way 
But there's just a team like Miami. I, I see them walking right in and just saying, all right, thank you very much. All right, we'll be facing Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. They, they just scream second-round exit to me for some reason. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, I could see even you know them playing a team um, like Indiana or someone that is you know maybe not on paper as good as they are, but being uh, you know surprised and upset in the end. Yeah, and now there's a couple other teams that I think could be uh, like my second round exit. Uh, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not for this. I I don't think the Celtics are going to be going any any f- anywhere that far come playoff time. They may have the potential, but. I think it's more unlikely with Jason Tatum. He hasn't been a world beater like he was what his rookie year. He had a real bad sophomore season. Also, the Raptors, they're going to be a tough out. I, I want to at least throw them in. They're still a gritty team. P- Pascal Siakam has been amazing for them. Van Vliet's still stepping up. He's not one of those uh, the one-and-done type guys of, oh, I did great in the finals. Uh, I'm not going to do anything else after that. He, he's been he's been contributing really well. Serge Ibaka is still an underrated piece. You can't forget about the Pacers. They're going to be another tough out. And also Brooklyn. They still got Kyrie. They, they're going to get Wilson Chandler back soon. This is a sleeper team a little bit. Uh, if you don't know what they can do, but they're starting to heat up a little bit. Six and four in the last ten. They're, they're at least getting a couple things straight. You guys have anything really about Brooklyn you could be adding in? And it's just one of those things right now where it, it seems like they're working out the kinks with Kyrie and everyone else. And then, of course, getting ready for next year when they have KD. I think right now, Brooklyn's basically, it's not their year, but you can see that there are some tools in place for them to use to make a run next year. Yeah. Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant could be very valuable. And also uh, DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. Uh, those are great bigs to be having on that team. And they're missing one more... Uh, another stretch big. They they have Tayshawn Prince, who who is a uh, no Terryon Prince, not Tayshawn. <laughs> Sorry, wrong generation. Uh, Terryon Prince, who, who's been doing a really good job so far, but they just need another stretch big, kind of like a Nemanja Bjelica type player. Maybe not everybody knows about him, but he's a really good deep shooter as a Kings fan. But uh, yeah, we know him, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, but moving into the Western Conference, as it has been really top heavy so far as there's only six teams right now who have a winning record five of them only are less than 10 losses so those five lakers clippers mavericks nuggets and the rockets now the nuggets have been one of those teams so far that i'm surprised that they've been doing so well with how Jokic has been Jokic has been struggling out there. He, he's even came out to report uh, to the reports and saying, "Look, I just don't feel right. There's something not going on. He just seems really off." But they still have a top five defense. They're pulling away with it. Do you think Jokic is going to be struggling for a long time, or you think this is going to be a quick bounce back for him? I'm thinking that so far the way he's been this year, I don't really see it stopping that much. It might improve a little bit as the year goes on, but I think this is pretty much just going to be one of those off years for him. Any sort of big-name player always has at least one, so I feel like this is probably that year for him, but I think Denver will still be good. Yeah. Well, he has started to heat up. I I should at least say that. Last two games so far, or last three, is 20-plus. But at the same time, he's... He's been just on and off. It's... Mm -hmm. You can't get a complete read on him. Maybe it's just a warm-up period for him, but he's going to be really vital for that team as all contending teams need that one... Uh, explosive big man to really help them out when times get tough if you can't get those perimeter shots going. 
Another team I really wanted to bring up is the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis. We talked about them last week, but they deserve it again. Their depth is really underrated so far. Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, Justin Jackson. They got some other pieces as well. What are you guys making of this team? Yeah, I mean, their big win uh, last night, giving the Bucks their first loss after 18. I think you hit it right on the head. You know, the depth is underrated. Uh, Seth Curry had a great night last night, and um, I think that they're definitely a, t- a deep team that's going to go far. And especially once they get Luka Doncic back off that ankle injury, they're going to continue to uh, set the league on fire, I think. Right now, I'm really loving this Mavericks team. Honestly, I watch them, and I'm kind of like, man, I wish I was a Mavericks fan instead of a Bulls <laughs> fan at times. But honestly, this Mavs team is just one of those ones that has kind of quietly made it to the third best record in the West. And they just don't seem like they're stopping anytime soon. They're playing consistent. And on top of that, they're doing that without their biggest star in Luka Doncic. So, I mean, honestly, I will go on the record saying this, but I think that the Mavericks could even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Probably against Lakers. I don't think they'll beat them. But honestly, going to take the Mavericks to make it to the Conference Finals. So you're calling out the Clippers. You don't think Clippers are going to be going there? I mean, the Clippers are good. But to me, it just seems like they're – they're kind of in the same boat as Philly. They're really good, and I think they could still have a chance at making it, but to me, it just doesn't seem like they're quite at that level that they need to be in order to stay consistent that late in the year. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Also, uh, the bottom parts for the playoffs have been kind <laughs> of the fun part for the Western Conference. As Sacramento, OKC, Phoenix, and Portland are all within a game, uh, game and a half of each other. 7th to 10th. And Minnesota's still there as well, Brad. I can't forget about your team. Although it's been a seven-game losing streak. But I want to save the NBA talk for a little later as I do have a big announcement for the three bros. There is a high possibility. I don't want to just confirm it 100%. I just want to make sure we can get through a couple of hoops. TV Delmarva, Facebook Live, Saturday, December 21st. Three Bros Sports will be live on their own show from Noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you're hearing it, you may want to be tuning in. As we'll, we'll keep on going over with the NBA, as that's what I really want to focus on for that show. As there is another show in the Huddle with Coach Muddle, which I intern. They go over a lot of football. And I want to be as repetitive. We'll get into the NFL, a little MLB. But I want to stick more into the NBA side, as we could really go into that forever, as the NBA is kind of a universal topic. But anyways, I just at least wanted to bring out that announcement. Now moving into the NFL Week 15 was a rough one, to say the least, for the Bay Area, as it was the last home game for the Oakland Raiders, and they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were up 16-3 to in the first half and allowed 17 unanswered in the, f- in the second half and had a uh, last-minute touchdown to be able to secure the win. And the Raiders fans decided to just throw everything possible. There was videos of fans kicking seats in. I don't blame these Oakland fans. I really don't. The owner, uh, Mark Davis, before the game, uh, was asked, hey, do you have any nostalgia feeling this? He's like, well, I dealt with this back in the 80s when we moved to Los Angeles. So, no, I don't feel anything about it. I don't care. That is as spineless as you can be. Yeah, just really turning your back on the city. And, right, you know, the fans, I believe, I I might have kicked a chair or two if I was them too. I mean, this yeah. the owner and the team has turned their back on you. I mean, the vibe around the team the year before they brought in John Gruden 
when they had Jack Del Rio as their coach and Derek Carr was playing fantastic. They still had Khalil Mack and you just saw, I think the greatest juxtaposition is Derek Carr then and now. I mean, he was smiling. He was loving the game of football. Now you see him and he's just like throwing the football and he doesn't even really look at his coach and he walks over to the sidelines. I mean, it's just rough. And um, you saw them booing him when he ran off the field. And I don't know if they were, I don't really know if those boos should have been targeted at Derek Carr himself. No, it, it really shouldn't have. Maybe it, should have booed uh, the coaches or maybe the defense. It should be uh, straight to ownership. I, I'm from Sacramento, <laughs> so I dealt with so many Raiders fans left and right. And one of my real close friends was a diehard Raider fan. And once the move to Vegas was confirmed that it will happen, he just gave up. He's like, you know what? Well, they've left me twice. I, I, I am not going to follow them to Vegas. And I know a lot of other Raider fans are saying the same as well. They're not going to follow them to Vegas. No, it's totally like, a money move. I mean, you can't build a fan base in Vegas. I mean, most of the people who are in Vegas, they don't live there. They're there to go gambling or they're mm-hmm. on vacation. So going to see a Raiders game is going to be like going to see a show or go to see like a, a Madonna go play on the stage. I mean, it's just going to be like a show. It's not, there's going to be people in Raiders jerseys, but they're not going to be the same diehard fans that you would have had in Oakland. Yeah, it's just not going to be the same anymore. Uh, I definitely have to agree with that. Mark Davis' comments are pretty bad and heartless. It's in his hair. So I'm not going to confirm that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's his millionaire cuts his own hair. He still drives a minivan, by the way. I also do understand, though, why the Raiders move, because, I mean, people have been talking about for decades now about how bad the Coliseum is, and nothing's been done about it. I think it's a little bit of both sides, and I do think it is more of a money move for the Raiders. But I also do feel bad for Oakland fans. I mean, I know I've never even I've never lived in Arizona or anything, but I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. I'd still be upset if they left Arizona. I don't know why. I'm just kind of attached to that. But yeah, I remember when there were talks when the Metrodome was closing and the Vikings, you know, there were people petitioning for them not to leave Minnesota. It seems kind of crazy for looking back on it now, but yeah, yeah. And for myself sucks. as a Sacramento Kings fan of the whole talks of them supposed to move into Anaheim, it didn't fall through. Then the talks about them moving to Virginia Beach, they didn't move uh, go through at all. And then the Seattle one, where as Adrian Wojnarowski reported, it was on the first and one. Of it was about to happen, everything was about to go down. But all Sacramento Kings fans, all they did was try to riot to get them to stay. I, I know how it feels, uh, and for a lot of Kings fans, they're Raiders fans as well, so having to go through this trauma twice, it's not fun. But Oakland Raiders now 6-8, and eight. I don't know what the future really holds for them, as they looked promising throughout the year, but they just kind of fell around on their faces after that blowout loss of the Jets. I don't know what to be making of them, but I also don't know what to be making of my 49ers. Actually, I do. I, the 49ers lose to the Atlanta Falcons on a, a last second play to Julio Jones and I saw this loss coming when I kept looking at this game I don't know if you guys could remember the one year where the Carolina Panthers go 15 and 1 they were 12 and 0 and they go up against an Atlanta Falcons team that is just struggling and the Falcons come right in and hand them their first loss and they just they play spoiler Matt Ryan has done this before all the game winning drives that he does I just had this weird feeling without Sherman, Julio Jones can go crazy. As much as I didn't want to, like, admit it, it was just staying in the back of my mind as the game went on. I was like, oh, this just isn't looking good at all. Now the 49ers are back to the fifth seed. So is there any chance Seattle loses another game or they lose to the Niners week 17? Any chance now? There's obviously a chance. I say um, even against Arizona, honestly. I'm not just saying because I'm a Cardinals fan, but especially in recent years – 
the Seahawks have struggled against the Cardinals, especially in Seattle. So, I mean, that's still no gimme. And then even for the Seahawks-Niners game, yeah, it's in Seattle, but at the same time, San Francisco's is still a really good team. So I wouldn't count the 49ers out of winning that division yet, but it's not an easy road nonetheless. Yeah, they made it a lot harder after this loss. It's hard to, you know, count them out with their defense being so good and Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, without Sherman now, the defense has been questionable. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, as c- compared to other teams in the league, you guys are still... Yeah, they're still you know, up there. You guys are still well off, and um, I, d- I do think that game against Seattle in Seattle is going to be tough. I do um, I do agree. And the Cardinals, you know, who knows what could happen. I mean, we just saw the 49ers-Falcons. You would probably wouldn't have picked Atlanta to win that game. So it's just any team can win on any given Sunday. You know, I, I just wouldn't count the 49ers out as of yet. Yeah, and one more game I want to go over for uh, Calvin. Uh, the Cardinals ended up beating the Browns 38-24. to And if I'm not mistaken, Kenyon Drake went nuts for you guys. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm feeling good about it. It's definitely one of those games where you could see the improvement, really not even just the offense, but the whole team in general. And honestly, this kind of showed me that back when Kenny Drake first got traded to the Cardinals, this is kind of what I thought could be with him. Grant, maybe not as good as what he did, but still think that he could be a viable asset to the team. It's just one of those games where I felt like, you know what, like this is a test game to see where we're at. And I think they did pretty well. Maybe a little bit better than our current record shows, but you know what? I'm happy with that. It's at least progress being made. Yeah, and I only have one question about the game. Uh, was Kenyon Drake, 22 carries, 137 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, I wish I had him in fantasy in all my <laughs> leagues. That would have been really helpful. But the question was, was Murley, uh, Kyler Murray only had 25 attempts, only 219 yards, and just one score. And now, this offense is supposed to be a complete air raid. I like how... Kingsbury, he, he can realize uh, this isn't an uh, air raid type game. If we can just run it through the Browns, we're going to be fine. They saw what the 49ers have done. Almost any team walks in the run defense. But it's also really nice to know that these running backs are going to be able to produce really well if this is a game where you got to just run the ball and you can't use your stereotypical air raid type offense, which I, I think within a year or two, it's this Arizona team is actually going to be really scary, and it's going to be it's going to be the toughest uh, division the NFL has ever seen, with all four teams being an eleven win team with their potential. We'll see where the Rams go from here. Yeah, we'll see. They had Ooh. a great win. Or no, I'm sorry. They had a, a great loss, <laughs> which gives Dallas me had a great win. <laughs> yeah, Dallas had a great win. I'm sorry. Uh, the Rams. Thank you, Jesus, as the San Francisco 49ers have now clinched a playoff spot. They're, they're right now the fifth seed, and they'll play the Cowboys if the playoffs start right now. Now, I, I believe that the Niners could be able to win that game, but now you have to go to Green Bay. That's who you're going to have to go out to. You're going to play at Green Bay in the cold in January, and then if you win that, and let's just say Seattle moves on, or even if it's New Orleans, you're at either Seattle, New Orleans, or Minnesota, because Minnesota's the other team as well, and it's those are tough matchups. I, I, I don't see any team, I don't see the 49ers going to the Super Bowl if they got to stay at the five seed. And it's just going to be really tough for that to play off. But we can we can get into the playoffs a little bit more next podcast as uh, the playoffs would be a lot closer. But this week in the NFL, this is going to be a really interesting week because there's a lot of big matchups that we have to be going over. And there's no Thursday night game, so there's no Thursday night picks. But now we got Saturday night. And now there's a te- uh, Texans and Buccaneers, uh, all in favor for the Texans. You can say I right now. I. I. I'm going Bucks. 
All right. Well, that's normal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why right. not? You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, they're seven and seven. James Winston lighting it up. He's yeah. just gonna sling it fifty times, and hopefully, someone in red catches the ball. Now, here's <laughs> the two real important games. Well, the Texans do wear red, so it technically it would count. I was well, going to say, what if they wear red jersey? <laughs> <laughs> well, Winston uh, wouldn't know the difference. He he's he's close to 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions right yeah, now. He's on track for it. the ball, I think he's happy. <laughs> as long as that ball doesn't hit the ground, he doesn't care. He passes <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, so the two matchups uh, this week on Saturday that are huge are the Bills and Patriots and the Rams and 49ers. Now, I'll start with the Bills and Patriots game. Now, I, I have bashed the Bills as saying that I think they're overrated. They haven't done anything to me to prove, like, hey, this team is legit. Like, the 49ers had that doubt, but then they turned around and they were able to beat the Rams at the beginning of the year, week five. They beat uh, Green Bay, New Orleans. So they've had those dominant wins, but the Bills haven't had that one big win yet. That always leaves me question marks, but this actually could be the game that they end up winning. It is in Foxborough. But this Patriots team has been a little shaky. Um, are any of you guys thinking the Bills can pull this off? I wish I could say yes. Yeah, the, the possibility is there. That, that's kind of what I'm going at. I, I could see it, but also at the same time, this is one of those games where Tom Brady, he comes back, and it's the one must-win game where they put their foot back down on the ground again. So that's kind of what I'm scared about. But, bro, what, what are you thinking? I think Buffalo definitely has a chance, but it seems like every time – a team in the AFC s- starts to, you know, get some traction. When they have to play the Patriots, it just all falls apart. In Foxborough, too. Yeah, in Foxborough. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Bill Belichick has played the Bills plenty of times. I'm sure he has plenty of film recorded of their sidelines. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, I, but I do think the Bills have a chance with this, especially, you know, with how well they've been playing and, and the Patriots and Tom Brady kind of, you know, wavering a little bit. I, I want to take Buffalo in this game. Yeah, I want to as well, but I'm having issues trying to convince myself. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's going to be a tough game, and it's, it's going to be really fun. But also the Rams and 49ers are uh, – this is another one as well that it's tough for me to decide who's going to win. As a 49er fan, I want to immediately say it's going to be the 49ers, but you don't have Richard Sherman, uh, no D Ford, our starting centers out as well. Garoppolo didn't look that great in the last game. It's kind of scary as of what this team could actually do. There's a high possibility the Rams end up winning this game. You guys thinking the same? No, I am not. Good. I'm taking the 49ers to win this game because at this point, I mean, yeah, they don't have Sherman and all, but the Niners have a lot more to play for right now than the Rams do, and that can be a real motivator for a lot of teams. Yeah, and, and this loss of the Falcons could just be a hungover game of uh, you feel the high after being the Saints in New Orleans, come back, and Atlanta wanted to play uh, upset, and, and they got away with it. But I, I still will have the 49ers winning it, but I'm just not as confident as I would like to be in it because I know the Rams are going to make this close. It, it's a division matchup. The Rams... They have a lot to play for as well. We The Niners already clinched the playoff spot. The Rams, they're they're right there. They could sneak in. They'd have to win this game. If they lose, I I, I almost guarantee they're out. I don't think there's any scenario that they could get in if, if uh, they lose. But there's a couple other games I really want to go over, and this one's uh, Sunday night. Cowboys and Eagles. <laughs> Do you guys have any idea who, who you really have winning this one? Because I, I believe it's going to be Cowboys. Do I even want to choose one? <laughs> <laughs> I got Cowboys for this one. Uh, this is tough for you, isn't it? It is. I mean, 
the Cowboys at least showed dominance, showed of what they can do against the Rams. And Philadelphia just doesn't look right to me. If you're having, to, if you're struggling against Washington, doesn't that kind of tell you enough right there? All right, you know what? I've made my decision. Because I cannot decide this on my own, I'm going to say since today is my girlfriend's birthday, and she is an happy Eagles birthday, fan. Happy birthday, Calvin's girlfriend. Yeah, happy <laughs> birthday. She is a very big Eagles fan, so I'm going to take the Eagles just because of that. Okay, and normally those predictions end up being right. Just f- just the intangible reason, just no real explanation behind it. Yep. No, I'm going to go against that because I can't pick the Eagles to win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cowboys. You know, I noticed something this past game. Something that I hadn't really seen all season was Ezekiel Elliott running with some purpose. <laughs> you know, I hadn't yes. seen it much. He looked kind of lost out there for the first 15 games, but... uh. He looked good, and I, I think that if the Eagles, this is the e- or the Cowboys game to lose. I think um, you saw the Eagles struggle against Washington, and you know, shout out to Adrian Peterson for tying Walter Payton's all-time touchdown record, which is pretty awesome. But I just got to say, Cowboys on this one. Yeah, w- with a little bit of a bias, I would like to see Philadelphia take over that spot, just because that would mean the 49ers would end up playing them in Philadelphia and I would go to that game. I don't care what the <laughs> ticket cost is. I'll I'll get whatever credit card needed for it even though I may not have a credit score right now. I'll figure <laughs> out a way to do something. I don't know. I'll find some some extra money. Uh but there's one more game before I get into the real primetime action as we've been waiting for ever since this podcast began. Uh, the one more game, Saints at Titans. Uh, this is kind of a fun game because the Titans they've been hot. They lost to the, t- the Texans. It was a close one, but this Titans team, they could turn it around right here against the Saints. Is there any possibility of the Titans winning this one or no? I mean, there's a possibility, but I'd still take the Saints to win this one probably by about two scores. Plus, I mean, the Saints at this point... They don't have anything they, to play for. Yeah, they don't, but one of the other things that I did read about this morning was, you know, everyone's talking about Drew Brees breaking records, everything like that, but... Michael Thomas is 11 catches away from breaking Marvin Harrison's single-season record for most catches in a season. Yeah, it, it's been surprising. Nobody's talked about him for MVP. I know. I'm like, he's on pace to do this. I'm sure he's going to want to do it. And I'm sure the rest of that team wants him to do it. So Yeah, and Drew Brees probably wants to add some more touchdowns, keep that record up there for a while. <laughs> yeah, he does. But let's just see where they want to go because they, I think uh, they want to really be rested up for the playoffs because they've been losing a lot of players. They lost Davenport for the year. They don't want to lose anybody else. So just I'm just curious to see where they're going to go. Hmm. But now it's time to really get into the real matchups for us. This is what we like getting into as it's time for the toilet bowl matchup. Now, there's two games this week that are going to be a dandy, as Grant Napier would like to say. Now, the first one is the New York Giants going into the Capitol playing the Washington Redskins. Who do you guys have? Oh, man, this is just <laughs> a bad, bad matchup. Oh, it really is. <laughs> um, I'm, gonna s- I'm just going to take the Giants. Yep. I feel like they're a little bit better than the Redskins. I believe that would put Eli Manning at um, one game over 500. Uh, yeah, because he's tied. Okay. That's kind of why I'm going Giants, too. I just want to see Eli get it. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't. Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe it isn't, depending on who's listening. But the two Super Bowl rings, that's cool and all. I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl ring as well, so do we want to call him one of the greatest of all time? Uh, 
so he does, he deserves to get his golden jacket. Uh, I don't really think so. But Brett, who you got? I'm gonna go Giants as well. Um, I might have gone Redskins if they still had that two-headed attack at running back with Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis, but I just don't think Adrian Peterson can carry an offense anymore. No, I mean, he if you really don't have can't. Those pieces no. around them, he can't hit the hole like he used to. I mean, that's just father time for you, but I'm going to go Giants with this. I, like Calvin said, I, I think they're just the better team on paper. And now, it is time for the best toilable matchup you will ever experience, as we've been talking about this forever. Now, maybe it isn't as great now as one of the teams has gotten a little better, but this was supposed to be the battle of the O for teams, as it is the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the Miami Dolphins. Now, this is a fun game. It's in Miami. Cincinnati got their first win. The Dolphins have three. Boo. We wanted them all to be over, so this would be the best matchup ever. But is there a chance Cincinnati can pull out their second win? I mean, there's a chance, but I really don't know. I'm honestly kind of torn with this matchup. They're both (laughs) so bad. (laughs) I'm going to take Miami. I think it's going to be very close. Probably come down to the final minutes. But, you know what? This is how the game's going to end. Last two minutes of the game, Cincinnati gets the ball back. They're going to be trying to drive, and either Andy Dalton is going to throw a pick or they're g- he's going to throw an incompletion on fourth down, and the Dolphins get the ball back and win the game. 21-17. Wow. All right. You're, you're getting real official with – you're doing a full-out Tony <laughs> Romo play analysis right here of how this game is going to end. I, I, I like it. I, I'm going to go – you know, d- d- does this game really even matter? Yeah, it matters. <laughs> We've been talking about it for the last nine weeks. No, no, I'm talking about both teams, like, of who's really going to win. I, I, I'm, g- I'm going to just go Miami. I really think uh, Cincinnati's like, you know what, I want Joe Burrows, uh, so I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Ryan Finley make will m- probably make an appearance in this game at some point. But <laughs> it, it, I, it just sucks to say, like, I, I just feel too confident that the Dolphins are going to win this one. Because yeah. we've been waiting so long for this matchup, and this would be, like, the ultimate test of, like, how we could do this. But the Dolphins have actually looked somewhat okay. So uh, it's just got to be Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to go Dolphins as well. I think that uh, it's in Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick has – just Cincinnati's defense has been awful. Just so bad. I think, you know, a high school team could go out there and score a couple touchdowns on them. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's in Miami. I'm going to – Devontae Parker's playing well. I'm just going to say that I'm going to take the Dolphins by 10 points. All right, yeah, I, I would say around that range as well. But as sad as it is, we're coming to the end of today's podcast. It's been This has been a really good one. I, I just kind of like the whole – we can get more into the NBA as when we first started. It was the beginning of the season, so it's kind of like, well, what are your predictions? But now we get into real meat and potatoes of it as we're getting closer to the midpoint uh, of the season – that's going to wrap it up for today. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Brett. And I know a lot of fans possibly have been missing my Tom Brady fun facts, and some have maybe said that I've been too rough on the guy, that I haven't been nice enough. So today, I'm going to give Tom Brady a couple compliments. Are you guys ready? Ready. Ready. All right, and those are my compliments for Tom Brady. You guys have a good one. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 
Three Bros Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring this podcast and Benjamin Tissop on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Music.